Good morning. If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Matthew 28. We'll be reading Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Uh, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Raj. I'm one of the elders here at Jubilee Church. If you're a visitor here, you are really, really welcome. I'm really excited to be tag-teaming with Suzanne this morning, who's going to be doing the bulk of today's talk. So a big whoop, and you can whoop her later, but you can whoop her now as well. No, later then. These are exciting times, aren't they? These are exciting times. Four weeks ago, Simon and I uh, were at uh, City Church York with their eldership team. Up until two months ago, they had never really had different nations in their church. It's something that wasn't really on their radar. And when it was, it was pretty much uh, um, a British church. There's nothing wrong with a British church, but they were pretty... They were thinking about that. So they started praying. God provoked them. And they started praying with action probably about four months ago. And just before Simon and I visited their team, Rob, one of their elders, sent this. We're looking forward to having you come down to York in January. I thought I'd encourage you. We had 10 different nations as part of the church family yesterday. And that is continuing. He said God is on the move. God Jubilee is on the move. Three weeks ago, Charlotte, Corby, Mushtaba, Milad and I visited Jubilee Church in Liverpool. And do you know what really, really got me? It was a joy to watch Mushtaba and Milad declaring the gospel to new Iranian Christians and quenching their thirst for Jesus. Monday gone, we had them all attend our Salaam group, um, which is our small Farsi community group and they're joined by Zoom and actually things are progressing from there. God is on the move. Two weeks ago I became an Anglican vicar for the day at St. Cuthbert's Church in Martin. I, I didn't really go like this. Once again it was a real privilege to preach the joy news of Jesus and what was particularly a privilege was sharing your stories of faith and sacrifice, and perseverance, and the miraculous. God is on the move, okay? And what about Corby and Chris and Gavin sharing recently? What a, I, I was listening to them online, and I'm excited about a new generation of Jubilee leaders coming through, passionate for Jesus. God is on the move. Just as a side, can I ask you to pray for, ask you to pray for Corby, Corby, that he finds work locally or raises funds to continue his studies. Either one will do. He needs one of those options to be able to stay in our church and with in, in the local area. He wants to stay, so let's stand with him, shall we, in prayer. I also heard about the new people who gave their life to Jesus on Sunday morning when Gavin was preaching the crosses through our Come the Revolution uh, series. Keep praying for our 12 people on Alpha. Our Alpha is exciting at the moment. God is on the... He is. Also if, also, if all that wasn't enough, listen, we are imminently waiting on news about the purchase of this building from the Methodist circuit. Wow. It's not a done deal. Jubilee, I really need you to keep praying. I could have waited until it was done deal and then say a prayer, but actually that's not, 
that's not what we're about, are we? We're all on this praying journey together. The goalposts certainly seem to be changing. I sense in my spirit that the enemy doesn't want, to ha- want us to have this church. Of course he doesn't. Why would he want us to have this church? But I believe, absolutely, but I believe God said he has given us this building and we are to take it in faith. That's all of us, not just me, Gavin and Simon. All of us. See, I am doing a new thing. That's what God said to us, if you remember, in the midst of lockdown. Is see, see, I am doing a thing. Is asking God, Jubilee, to open our eyes to heavenly possibilities and walk into them by faith and ironically, not by sight. See, I am doing a thing. New thing is to walk by faith and not by sight. Yep. Knowing, knowing that God is on the move. And so this morning, we've arrived at our Come the Revolution sermon series of Matthew's Gospel. We've come to the bit, the greatest moment in all of history. We've been singing about it this morning. The resurrection, the proof that God is really on the move. That's what the resurrection tells us. So let's read, shall we? Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Let's read. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and, other, and the other Mary, the other Mary, went down to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Doesn't happen normally on a Saturday or a Sunday. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of them, of him that they shook and became like dead men. Angels aren't like the ones you see on cards in card shops. You know, they often say, do not fear. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings. Hello. He said, they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the greatest moment in history. Thank you that we heard the truth about the cross the other day, that Jesus was crucified and then buried. But I thank you, Lord, that on the third day, he rose again. Thank you, Lord, that there is resurrection life in the church and resurrection life from the church to the world. And we pray that we encounter you this morning by your word. And that resurrection life goes viral in our communities, this nation, Teesside and the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. So these women at the tomb had a remarkable encounter. A dazzling, gleaming, blazing angel tries to calm them down. Don't be afraid. He announces, Jesus isn't dead. He's risen. These women were devastated. Think about it. They'd lost everything. They'd watched how On Friday, how Friday had unfolded, they were presently living in the truth of Saturday. 
We often live in the truth of Saturday. But then, but then Sunday came. If you were Jesus, what would you have said when you saw them again? What profound statement, what amazing explanation would you have given these grieving women to mark this special, special moment? Jesus said, greetings. In other words, yo, hi, how are you doing ladies? What's up? In other words, Jesus was saying, what did you expect? Didn't I tell you this was going to happen? Don't. Why are you so surprised? A church uh, pastor named Skip Vio tried to tell this story in a children's sermon one time. He posed the question to the little kids, what were Jesus' first words to the disciples after he was raised from the dead? Before he could give Matthew's answer, a little girl waved her hand high up in the air and Skip asked her, what do you think? She said, I know, (laughs) ta-da! That's a pretty good translation as any, really. You know what? Sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus has risen from the dead. Ta-da! Otherwise, our faith becomes just a script, a doctrinal exercise resulting in lots and lots of do-its. And we just go through the motions of the church without the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in the church and from the church. Jubilee, he is risen. Ta-da! You seem excited about that, I think. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. That's not just in my head. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection in my life, your life, and in the lives that Jesus has set around you. He's got people that he wants them to know the resurrection power of Jesus through you. And so before we welcome Suzanne, I just want to briefly describe what the so what of the resurrection. I'm not going to go into the details of why did it happen. You can go onto our website for that. We have preached that before. We'll probably preach it again in, at Easter time. But this morning, I want to tell you about the so what of resurrection, just to set the scene. In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, that really helps us. The apostles, Paul, Paul's writing on this. With telling it, and he does this by telling us all the negatives which help us to see the positives. That's how he does it. What does he say? He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. For the Apostle Paul, resurrection wasn't an afterthought, wasn't a side issue. If resurrection didn't happen, we, you, all of you, me, are most to be pitied. So what? Paul gives us three things there, I think. Firstly, your sins are forgiven. Sounds a bit of an anticlimax, doesn't it? We say that every week on on Sunday. Your sins are forgiven. 
It's not an anticlimax at all. Sin, the Bible tells us, is the root of all yours, mine, and humanity's problems and division and war and poverty and even disaster. Sin is what drives us out of God's presence, his promises and protection. Distance from God actually is a definition of hell. Distance from God. Hell is where God and all his goodness isn't. Where do you want to be? On the cross, God himself, as Gavin told us the other day, comes to the rescue. On the cross, Jesus takes the penalty that all our sinfulness deserved. On the cross, Jesus experiences the holy wrath of a righteous God against all of humanity's dishonor and disregard and disobedience, sin, your sin, my sins, past, present, and future. On the cross, jubilee, on the cross, jubilee, the barrier between us and God comes crashing down forever as Jesus cries out, victory, it is finished. Sin doesn't have to destroy you anymore. Whoever you are, sin is defeated. You now can do life with God. And his resurrection jubilee is proof of that. One Peter, remember thumping chest Peter? I'm not going to leave you, Jesus. Remember him? He wrote this. I'm never going to let you down, he said. In 1 Peter um, 1, 3, it says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Your sins are forgiven. That's worth celebrating. That's worth a hallelujah. Oh, Corby, you've got me going now. It's not an anticlimax. Secondly, so what? The resurrection proves that Jesus has defeated death. Paul says Jesus is the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep, have died. It's a bit like lightning. What happens when you see lightning? What happens when you see lightning, anyone? You run away from it, scream, I think someone said. <laughs> what happens after lightning? It's not a trick question. Thunder. Thunder every time. Jesus is rising, if you like, is the lightning that guarantees our rising, the thunder for us. Last, um, in, so the new Christians in, in the early church, that's why the new Christians in, in the early church believed that death was just a kind of sleep. The resurrection changed their worldview completely. In fact, so much so, they borrowed a Greek term for dormitories in, in which people would sleep to name their resting places for the dead. Every time you mention the word cemetery, that is a reminder of the belief of the resurrection of the dead. But not a lot of you knew that, did you? In fact, prior to the resurrection of Jesus, the dead were considered to be kept at a distance. The dead were buried outside the city. But after resurrection, graveyards developed in the grounds of the church. In almost a literal way, the living and the dead were gathered to worship. They'd just fallen asleep. Death was not the end. If you're not a Christian here this morning, 
what will your eternity look like? Because it will look like something. Life with God or life without him. And the Bible says that goes on forever. It's your choice. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus has his arms stretched out on the cross. He did this for you. He says, come to me. That's how much he loves you. All of you who are thirsty for life. So what? Because of the resurrection, we can know that your sins are forgiven. That death doesn't have the final say. Finally, before I hand over to Suzanne, there is hope. Yeah, there is hope. When Jesus said greetings to the first disciples, he wasn't saying spring is coming. It is coming. Spring is coming. Flowers are blooming. Life is, a, uh, life is eternal. Everything's going to work out. Quite the opposite, actually. These guys were more afraid after the resurrection than they were before. On Sunday, their lives didn't get easier. On Sunday, their lives became dangerous. But they, were rem- but they remembered what Jesus said a little time before that, before he died. He said this, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, or a seed in other words, falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so they started to understand in the midst of despair and hardship, they started to understand there was hope, hope in the power of sacrifice. That's what we heard from Nicola earlier, didn't we? As people volunteer and give their time, their money, and all the things that God has put into them to invest into these families. This is the way that life works in the new kingdom. You have to be willing to sacrifice something if anything is ever going to be the way it is supposed to be. No sacrifice, no harvest, Jesus is almost saying. Only Jesus said, it isn't seeds he's talking about now. It's you and me. The Apostle Paul, who was beaten, shipwrecked, tortured, imprisoned, starved, and ultimately beheaded, said this, said this, listen, I consider that my present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. God must be very big for you to say that. He saw the lightning and knew for certain the thunder was coming. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. There is always hope in the cross. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Jubilee, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. He is worthy of our prayers. There you go, short intro. Now the main course. Resurrection tells us that our sins are forgiven, that our last enemy, death, is dead, and that in Jesus, our first fruit, there is hope that gets us through, always, especially in sacrifice. Suzanne, why don't you come up? Let's give her a big, encouraging round of applause. Why don't you earth this in for us in terms of your life experiences and how the resurrection makes a difference? Thank you. So, uh, yes, the resurrection of Jesus was the turning point for the world, turning point in my life and turning point in all your lives. It's just amazing. I put my glasses on. It, and it was totally enough to build that bridge between us and God the Father. There he's on the cross and he's just made that bridge for us. 
Now, one of my favorite songs, Shirley, I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my savior on that cursed tree. Just an amazing song. You can just feel it on your spirit and your heart as you sing it. Jesus is my savior. He's your savior who had to die in order to be victorious. In my Christian beginning, some of you might have heard this before, I try not to bore you with it, but I was talking to a girl that I worked with, and uh, she was just grabbing every moment she could to tell me, share the, the, the gospel with me. And I'd say, oh yeah, I, I believe that bit, and I believe that bit, but I don't believe that bit. And I think I was just like so many people, just believing what was convenient. But being a Christian, you don't have a homespun religion. It's either all or nothing with Jesus. You have to have all of him or you have nothing of him. And when you have all of him, it's just brilliant. <laughs> um, when he rose from the dead, he sent his Holy Spirit so that we could live our lives down here until we go up there to be with him. Now, in the evenings, I used to uh, read my Bible after this conversation. I'd read my Bible, and I'd try and for ask for forgiveness for my sins. Now, I didn't know what I was doing, because I knew nothing about Christianity. And uh, reading the Bible, it just... I mean, you would think, because I was English, I'd know a lot. You know, English, Christian... But uh, that didn't uh, work. So I, uh, one night, I got my Bible, put it on the coffee table, and I hit the coffee table. I said, God, you've got to forgive me of my sins. And we didn't answer. I didn't hear this, see this bolt of lightning. I didn't hear the thunder, but I thought, well, I just have to accept it. And uh, so I just went on. I just sort of persevered one step at a time. And I went to a, a local church, and everyone was excited. Excited about church. I was looking around. They were singing, dancing, lifting their hands. And because I tried church, you know, you do try church, different things when you're a teenager. But the churches seemed to be, like, dusty. So anyway... It all changed. We went to this lively church, a bit like this one, or like this one's going to be when it's all completely full, in faith. <laughs> and, uh, and our lives changed from being one of going to parties with all the other expats in Johannesburg. We'd go to parties, and we'd have alcohol, and we'd have a good time. And that all changed. So now we were going out having cups of tea and cake. It's not so good for the waistline, but it was good for our spirits. And the life of Jesus was now working in my life. Time moved so swiftly for us then because where we'd been was here and then where we went to was up there. So we were like rockets going off with the Lord. We had to catch up because we were in our 30s. So we had a lot of time to catch up on. We were in this great church, great house group, and we got involved with a charity called Youth for Christ, which you know, working with all these young people on, in the area. And within two years, we were working full-time from being from nowhere to two years later working for the Lord. He just did such a lot in us. But we found that the foundation for this was reading our Bibles because 
It was building a relationship with God through his word. He's speaking to us through his word. And I realized that Jesus' resurrection was total victory. Death was defeated once and for all, for everyone, for all time, if we accept it. I mean, we don't have to accept it. If you don't, it's a bit sketchy. So Acts says, who God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. What Jesus did for himself, he did for us. He died a sacrificial life, so we wouldn't have to die that way too. He, his resurrection guarantees ours because he met, fought, and defeated death. Can you imagine the great excitement in hell as Jesus died? They thought, yay, we've got him. But I bet they wish they'd never done that because that was their final moment. Death was defeated. Satan was defeated. All the demons in hell, everything was defeated by the marvelous death and resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. yes. Um, so, because all of his supposed power was overtaken, we can now stand against that in the mighty name of Jesus. And sin, sickness, and death does not have the final, uh, final word. Funeral services are actually something to look forward to, to enjoy. Because if they're born again, they're going one way. They've won. They're on their way there. And they'll be part of this uh, heavenly crowd of people watching, cheering for us. I know I'm going off piste. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, as uh, Andrew Palau said the other Sunday night when we were at um, uh, that meeting, he said, Louis Palau is alive and well and living in heaven. That's fantastic. One of my favorite verses, Romans 10, uh, Chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so without reading and meditating on God's word, we, can't, we won't know his truth. And we know that in John chapter 10 it says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I am free indeed, and that is so marvelous. From sin, from uh, the guilt, I don't have to feel guilty. Isn't guilt horrible? I'm not guilty. Praise the Lord. I'm free of my past. I'm free of my present sins because, you know, I'm not perfect. You might think that, but I'm not perfect. And uh, future sins. <laughs> but it's all forgiven in Jesus. A little story. One day, um, before we had uh, our family, Ken and I, um, we went to thought we'd go hiking in the, uh, in the Drakensberg Mountains in Johannesburg, uh, in South Africa. And it was quite a long way, long drive, a couple of hundred kilometers on a dirt road to the, right up to the foot of these mountains. So we were miles from anywhere or anyone. And of course, in those days, it's so long ago, there was no phones or anything like that. So we were on our own. Uh, now, Ken was a fairly experienced mountaineer, I didn't really know anything but hey-ho, how difficult could it be? So there we were in the middle of nowhere, and we'd been climbing up these um, uh, chain ladders 
You can actually see them online if you're desperate. You've got these chain ladders going up this rock cape face, hundreds and hundreds of feet. And then Ken said, right, time for the rope now. So he had to be tied up to this rope. And we were going to try and climb this mountain called the Sentinel. Now, these are not your um, local mountains. They're more like the, the Himalayas. They're huge. And uh, this, this mountain, this peak at the top we were going to climb, it's called the Sentinel. It was 3,166 meters. Now, that's like 10 Roseby toppings. So I'm, I'm hooked up to this rope, and I'm shimmying up. I'm trying to get my leg up there and go over there, and I just couldn't do it. My legs were not long enough. That's my excuse. <laughs> Sorry, Ken, I'll have to go down. So he got me down, and we just went back to the camper van. But the, the thing was, as I was walking, uh, as we were hiking back to the camper van, and we were in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And our camper van, it had a bed, and that was all it had. So it wasn't a very posh camper van. And, but I had this absolute light bulb moment. If I had Jesus in my life, and I have Ken... I'm content. I don't need anything else. When you've got Jesus in your life, you have everything. Yeah, that was the point to this story. <laughs> because Jesus is alive, right? We can have a living relationship with him. And we can walk and talk with him. So as uh, Gavin shared the other week, I loved the, your talk there. The, the, um, the curtain in the temple... I was looking it up, it was, uh, it was third, they had two curtains, they imagine it, they were 30 foot long, no, they were 30 foot high, and they were 60 foot long, and they were four inches thick. And it took 300 priests to pull each one of them. So you can imagine this curtain being ripped well, you can't imagine this. It's just so amazing. And that's what God did because he made that way through. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he gives us a huge hint. He says, choose life. I mean, why wouldn't you choose life? What is the alternative? Faith has two places. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. Hallelujah. Saved, it means delivered, protected, made whole. I like that. We are delivered from our past, protected in our present, and made whole to enjoy eternal life now and we live in a, a world we can touch feel smell see it's physical it's material and when jesus rode from the dead he wasn't a phantom he wasn't a ghost he talked to as raj says Ta-da! he was real he uh, he was flesh and blood he had food with his disciples and he always calmed the fears he was seen by over 400 people 500 people they touched his wounds. He was real then, and he's just as real today. But now we are Jesus' body here on earth. 
There are many religions in the world, but no one, none of them, has a living, breathing, walking, talking saviour who loves us. We don't have to do anything but just say yes to God and be obedient. That's what he wants. If Jesus had not risen as a real, with a real body, Christianity would have collapsed. And I think you pointed out that the uh, Apostle Paul considered that the sufferings of this world were not worthy to be compared with the glory which is to be revealed when Jesus returns. We will know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raped him from the dead. And that same mighty power is working in us today. Can you remember your life before you were Christian, before you made Jesus your savior? Mine was just about making myself happy, you know, another drink, another donut or whatever it was, you know, swim, well, whatever. Um, but it leaves an emptiness on the inside of you. You've, it's been said, I think it was Pascal who said, everyone has a God-shaped uh, vacuum on the inside of them. Nobody, nothing else can fill that vacuum except Jesus. No religion, no deity, no nothing, nobody on earth. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did it on purpose. He breathed out his last and he said, it's finished on purpose. Oh, hallelujah. That's to make that way clear for us all. He destroyed my sin out of existence. He destroyed your sin out of existence. Resurrection power is working in us now, empowering us, comforting us, motivating us to push back the darkness and the demonic works in this world against suffering and evil because we work in mercy and justice in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we trust in Jesus, we're united to him by faith. And there's a connection between what happened to him and what happens to us. In Jesus we died, and in Jesus we are risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Our actions change. I mean, our actions, we, we're just new people. It's just amazing. He didn't really want to know us before. But now we're, we're okay to know because of Jesus. Um, we can stand and not be bowed down by the daily news, life's hurdles and troubles, we can be bold and strong. But I do admit that sometimes it's difficult. It takes energy, it takes conviction, it takes a press, because life as a Christian is not a stroll in the park. I remember one day we had a situation we were praying about, and I thought, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. So I thought, right, what's the word to stand on? So I get a scripture that I think is my answer put the Bible on the floor and trod on top of it and said, I'm standing on the word, Lord. I'm expecting the answer I want. I think it happened. <laughs> I don't remember being disappointed. Um, so, you know, it, we, we don't worry about life, really. I mean, we're always laughing. Ken, Ken never takes me seriously. I don't know why. <laughs> We're not worried people. We say we don't do worry. Because God's word says it is life and health 
to all our flesh. And we trust his word. We're told to be anxious for nothing. We're not relying on our feelings because feelings get you into trouble. Don't we know that? Especially young people. The feelings get them into trouble. So, you know, we believe in the word and what God said. We've had children when we were told it's impossible. The same for our daughter. They said it's impossible. We said nothing's impossible for God. We moved country in the midst of a financial crisis. As we flew back from South Africa to England, the banks in South Africa closed with all our money safely tucked inside. Three days later, the banks opened, and we said, where's our money gone? We'd lost half of it, but God's not bothered about that. He, uh, he's, he had told us to, go back, to come back to England. He had a purpose and a plan for us. It was tough, and we kept saying, why? We, we were so uncertain. It was all so hard. Why this? We were like living down in Berkshire, and it was the south. I'm sorry. We were northerners. I'm from Liverpool. Ken's from Manchester. We might have met in Johannesburg, as you do, but we are northerners. And uh, when Ken was offered a job up here in Middlesbrough, we said, yes, we're coming. <laughs> and between you know, the yes and them being here, it was two months. It was all sorted. It was marvelous. But again, the, you know, it was the money market was uh, falling apart. And, um, you know, it was all, anyway, you don't want to know. Um, so we, we've sort, we battled various mountains, but God is in control. And when you trust in the perfect work of Jesus, nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for him. You'll see his miraculous life play out in yours from little things. Where's my car keys? Can I get a parking? Little things to healing. And we know that we've had healing in our lives. My mum was healed of cancer. Ken and I have had various things and well, whatever. The great, and the greatest joy, of course, is being able to talk to others about Jesus. Eternity has started already in my life. What about yours? Has eternity started in your life? To finish, I just want to say, you know, quote some words for that fantastic song. That's where we all get excited together. Then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.